oh, this this is, do I always say this? Oh, this is amazing. No, this one's amazing. Like, my heart is, is pounding. I'm so glad you guys are tuning in right now. I'm going to start this one with one of the most classically inspirational speeches in movie history. All right. Okay. Wherever you are right now, see if you can name it. If you're in the car, call it out. I don't care if you're alone or with your kids or whatever. If you're running or working out, scream it out. Okay. Ready? Okay. I'm going to try and do this justice. You're five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you have barely a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in there with the best college football players in the land for two years. And you're going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this life, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody but yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't never going to happen. Now, go on back. Okay, I heard some of you got it. Yes, it's the monologue by the groundskeeper in Rudy, the true story of Rudy Rudiger, a kid from Joliet, Illinois, who harbored dreams of playing football at the University of Notre Dame despite significant obstacles. I mean, you just heard about some of the physical obstacles he faced. And by the way, when Fortune, that was the name of the groundskeeper, said five foot nothing, Rudy's five six. Okay, that's that's about an inch shorter than I am. But how about one of fourteen kids from a family with very little money? And perhaps more importantly, he struggled with undiagnosed dyslexia all the way through high school, so his grades were nowhere near commensurate with Notre Dame's benchmarks for acceptance, let alone scholarships. So how did that kid not only scratch and claw his way to a Notre Dame education? And perhaps the bigger miracle, land a position on one of the most prestigious college football teams in history. It is a story that darn well better make you realize it is not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Here to open his playbook on how he did it is the five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing man himself, Rudy Rudiger. Rudy, thank you for speaking to my listeners. This is incredible. I lived and died by this movie throughout my career, always drawing upon it when I'd get the big nose. It's the 30th yeah, anniversary yeah. of the movie's release. I'm so glad that I have your voice here today. I mean, 30 yeah. years have gone by really quickly, I would imagine. Well, time is, it just, <laughs> you can't replace time. It just goes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're doing a new director's cut of Rudy. Oh. And I remember 14th they're coming out with it uh and it's all the scenes that we cut out and i think it's a better movie now oh uh, because of all the relationships that they cut out that are important the writer took poetic license with the portrayal of some of the characters we'll get to that throughout the podcast but and there's some fascinating ones but let's talk about the main theme and that was your near obsession even as a kid in joliet of attending notre dame what was it about the Fighting Irish it, that made you want so badly to attend? It wasn't an obsession. It was a purpose. Uh, and there's a big difference between a purpose and an obsession. Okay. Uh, purpose was to show my family that we belong there, too. Uh, because people say we don't belong there because we're not the gifted. So you can't go to Notre Dame because only gifted kids go there. Gifted athletes go there and rich kids go there. So tell me what it's like to be one of 14 kids in the 70s. Blue-collar family, 14 kids, 
you go to work, you come home, you come back home, you go back to work, you come back home, go to work. Weekends, you got to go to church or play little league or you do whatever you need to do. But when you come home, you don't do really homework. You got to do chores and you got to go outside and you have to play sports uh, <clears throat> because of all the kids in the house. Go out and play. Only come in when dinner's ready. And uh, you really didn't have time to do homework. And nor did I care about homework. <laughs> I didn't understand school, but I understood sports. Now, here's the saving grace about everything. And, and, and it all comes down to one thing. Who you put yourself around and where you put yourself at to understand who you are. Because we all want to be somebody. And, and unfortunately, sometimes we get stuck. We don't know what to do. And we get stuck in this thing. I, I, can't, uh, I can't succeed because I'm not good looking. Uh, I'm too short. Uh, I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. Whatever they tell you, you start believing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and to that end, the movie yeah. focused a lot on your dad. Who did that? Blue yeah. Collar. He was played yeah. by Ned Beatty. He seemed yeah. like a less than supportive force when it came to your quest to attend college. It was that... wasn't a, a lesson. He, he didn't understand it. He couldn't comprehend it. Because how could we even think we can go to Notre Dame? Because his mind was driven uh, by certain people that only uh, smart kids go to Notre Dame. And he saw my grades. <laughs> he saw how I performed in school. He, he just didn't want to see me get hurt. Mm. Or he didn't want to see me go after something I could never achieve. And that was his biggest his biggest feeling was protecting you. He was more of a protector than, a, than, oh. than someone saying you can't do it. He wanted you to do it, but he just couldn't, couldn't comprehend how could you dream that big when you don't when you when you can't even go there. How could this happen? It all came down to really four things. Uh, I knew how to contribute. That was the big key. Contribute to something that I just want to be part of. Then because you have that contribution attitude, mm -hmm. you, you align yourself with some good people that want you to win. Now, you're going to have entitled people along the way that doesn't want you to win, that thinks sure. you're, you're just a pain in the butt while you're here. You know, so you're going to get your nose, you're going to get your rejection. But the rejection is what put that chip on my shoulder. And the regrets that I had made me work even harder because uh, <clears throat> when, when we live in regret, man, we, we, we just drown ourselves in sorrow. Mm. So don't live in regret. Oh, yeah. You, know? you had dyslexia, uh, which was undiagnosed. Well, dyslexia is uh, a lot of us have it. In fact, uh, there's a lot of great leaders that have it that we realize of course. Uh, that, ha you know, from presidents to actors to athletes to uh, they have it. They have a learning disorder. All, you have to learn differently. And you don't sometimes learn by the book. You learn through hands on. You learn through audio uh, technique. Uh, comprehension of people. But your school did yeah. not, your high school didn't recognize it, your middle school didn't. No, and that's the way they were taught to teach mm -hmm. uh, that way. What mm -hmm. was that sort of moment where you have the aha, you know, peanut butter uh -huh. and the chocolate moment, I'm going to apply yeah. to Notre Dame? Remember the word I used earlier, regret? Don't live in regret? Mm -hmm. 
can't. We all live in regret. Most of us. Mm -hmm. We never try our goals or our dreams because we don't want to fail. We don't want to be put down. Uh, that that's where you're wrong. Don't be afraid to take that step and have people criticize you. Criticism is a strength. You use criticism to build you. Um, oh yes. You don't have to get mad at criticism. I mean, constructive criticism is good, but there are people out there just going to wail on you only because they don't like you. Well, that's normal. That's typical. So those are the people you don't want to talk to anyhow. <laughs> so you you just eliminate them real quick, right? Notre Dame rejected you. Your first shot. Well, they rejected. Well, yeah, they rejected me only because I didn't have the grades. I'm going to have the credentials. Uh, but here's the key. Uh, remember I told you when my friend died at the power plant? In the movie, that was, sure. That was that was the ha-ha moment. Uh, of, uh, I gave myself up to God. And, and true, uh, I said, let go, let God. This is life is time. It's short. It happened. Bing, bam, you're done. Right? I can't live like this. I can't live in regret. Just like my friend said, don't live in regret, Rudy. Go after your dream. But I can't because I'm not that. Rudy, just do it. You'll find a way. He always believed in that. And when he died, because he took a shortcut with his job and his life, ended his life, he did live in regret because he was doing something he didn't want to do. He would rather be something else, but he never was that because he got stuck. So he says to me, don't get stuck, brother. You're too young. Go. Just go and find out what you need to do. And that's what resonated in that moment. Uh, his his death kind of catapulted me into that moment. Holy Cross did take you. And you yeah, saw it, that as it, sort it, of a way, maybe through a side window eventually to Notre Dame. But then time and time again... Throughout those first couple of years at Holy Cross, you put yourself in a very uncomfortable position. You you kept applying to Notre Dame. I mean, listen, Rudy, I was a two-time Stanford reject. I was like, okay, second time, I'm getting the message. Why didn't you just give up? Because, okay, I hope you understand this when I say this. All right. It wasn't about grades to me. It was about understanding what you had to do in order to get to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. See, when I showed up at junior college, it was only, now, just think about this. I would never known about that junior college if I didn't leap out on faith after my friend died. I went to South Bend immediately after his death to find out why is this, why I, am I so uh, kind of like, what, what, what's driving me towards this school? What is this Right. Mm -hmm. Well, when I stepped on campus, I knew I belonged there. This is where I belong. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm going. But the other side of it, oh, my God, now you got to get there academically and financially. How are you going to do that? I didn't even think about the obstacles. I went to the junior college was right across from Notre Dame and it only had 100 kids there. So the little brother there was in the Navy and I was in the Navy. So we had a relationship. And we never talked about our past or how bad our grades were, so we could develop a game plan, which he did. Awesome. And and I and I wanted, <clears throat> he said, four semesters here, no negotiation. 
you can get your four semesters, you can take parallel courses with the university. Then if you do well and, and you show us you could do the work in the classroom, we'll endorse you and uh, 100% of our kids go there if we recommend them. Oh. And that gave me hope. All right. Now, but I also had to apply every year to find out uh, because I also wanted to play football. And Notre Dame, they, they don't take junior walk-ons at Notre Dame. Uh, they just don't. I said, well, that's an obstacle. Well, the, but clock, the clock is ticking. For people who don't know what walk-on means, it means you were not recruited from some unbelievably amazing high school with a great statistics sheet, right? And so you just go on there and have to prove yourself on the field. Well, but remember the word I used earlier, contribute? That was my goal, to contribute, not to be a star, mm -hmm. not to be a starter, but contribute to a tradition that meant so much to my father and family. Uh, Notre Dame gave us hope when they won, and I wanted to find out what all that meant, if that makes sense. Yes. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listen Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, bring so us back to the moment when, after multiple attempts and then rejections from Notre Dame, you held your last shot at getting into Notre Dame in your hand. You're holding the unopened letter from the admissions office. Describe your emotion and your heartbeat before you opened that letter. Oh boy, it was thick, so I knew I was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the olden days. <laughs> if it was thin, you're not going, right? I received a couple of those already. Uh, but the thick letter means there's good news in there. So that was exciting, but you still had to read it. And we shot it exactly where I showed that letter. Really? To my tutor. Yes. We shot the actual scene where I showed my tutor my acceptance letter. So I wanted to bring that moment back. So that was a great moment. Uh, and, and again, the disappointment. Now, when my family saw a letter from Notre Dame, they didn't know it was a rejection or an acceptance. They really didn't understand what I was doing, but they knew I was up in South Bend going to school. Mm -hmm. And they thought it was Notre Dame all the time, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Listen, so, my mother was so busy taking care of the kids, and my dad's working three jobs. He don't have time, basically. You know, uh, it's a tough deal. Sure. But I wanted to give them that that joy and, and that moment of hope and, and uh, 
that's what I fought for more the feeling and the hope more than uh, football. But football, too, was part of it because why not? That was then the Mount Everest part two that you had to climb. Uh, Getting in was part really, one. You know, it, was, it was interesting because it's not a Mount Everest now. Let me let me clarify that. When you come on to that football team, there's 85 scholarships and there's maybe five walk-ons. And they really don't want you part of this because you're kind of like, in their way but if you become a contributor right and that's how i wanted was a chance because era parsesian when i met him for the first time at 6 a.m in the morning he was the coach he was in the navy i was in the navy we had a little bit of an understanding of who we were mm-hmm. and he basically said you come and see me when you get in um because he understood what i went through in order to be a be a veteran and he's a veteran so saying all that, uh, that helped uh, making that decision during the Vietnam War to go into the Navy and join up because it really straightened me out. The Navy, my mindset straightened me out because I had nothing but positive reinforcement mm-hmm. all the way through the military of building my mindset, building me up, making me and uh, looking at myself differently. So that all had to play a part. And when I made that decision, yep. uh, go up to Notre Dame, because now I'm ready mentally, but now I have to perform and do the work. That was the challenge. Uh, and and that's where you get your little moments of, I call God wings, people come into your life to help you. Uh, the tutor uh, helped me understand how to do the work, and then he helped me do other things at Notre Dame that helped me organize my work. So that all helped where the athletes had tutors. I had to go find my own tutor. Well, that tutor just happened to show up in my in my dorm where we lived at St. Joe Hall, and they put the Holy Cross students in there. Uh, <clears throat> they picked Holy Cross students that were basically the, the kids that were on the uh, uh just on the edge of getting to Notre Dame, maybe they need a little more work. Okay. Well, that wasn't me. I needed a lot of more work, <laughs> you know? But uh, because of the relationships I built with the emissions, because every time I did get turned down, I didn't say, why did I get turned down? What more do I need to do? Uh-huh. And that That's key. That's key. No, it is, because they really appreciated that, and they saw you uh, – do the work. Now, wh- wh- what else do I need to do? And when you do the work, what can they say when you achieve it, right? And But you're getting a lot of help and a lot of uh, empowerment along yeah. the way. So my, my point was getting to Notre Dame was the challenge academically. Mm-hmm. Football was kind of like, okay, that now I can do that. I can go to practice. I can contribute. Uh, I know I'm not going to start for you, but I thought like a starter. That was a big difference too. I thought like, so I, I go I go to practice and worked hard and got better each day. And that became a real big deal to them. When they saw you working hard and they saw that you did get better in a lot of different, because really you're an older guy now, you're a veteran, but you're getting better at the drills, you're getting better not that they're going to start you, but they see your progress. But they also see how people are, are starting to get involved with you. Yes. Uh, 
kind of engaging in your spirit from coaches to players, not all of them, just certain ones. And, and when that happens, that brings a chemistry to that football team and to the culture of that team. And that's what Arisaw was character uh, and courage. And you have to be a little bold to do what you do. He saw all that. And when you do that, that means a lot to that coach because he knows if I can get my players to be like Rudy, wow, what can we do? Mm. Right? Yeah. So, so Ara Parsegian, the head coach of Notre Dame, really was was there. He understood you. Like you say, you, you know, you guys had a connection. He had been in the Navy. You were right. in the Navy. But then Parsegian retires, and you had to start your charm offensive all over again with new coach Dan Devine, who had been a hedge coach, yeah. for those of you who don't know, for the Green Bay Packers. Here's where Hollywood and the real Rudy Hollywood, story diverged. Yeah. Let, let me just say, because in the movie, Devine is made out to be a mean and hard-hearted, absolutely not Rudy coach when it came to letting you on the field. But that wasn't the true story. Dan Devine was also in the Army, so he loved the fact that I was a veteran, mm. and he understood that. But he had to also do a couple things. He had to win football games. I was not the guy for him to win football games. And Notre Dame's a very, I don't know, how could you say this without, uh, prestigious, entitled, okay. some of the kids, sure. right? And uh, But there's kids there that really work hard and deserve. There's a lot of Rudy's there that you don't know that are there. They're there because they're working hard. Uh, they don't have all the skill and talent, but they work hard. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. Every game, there's something called the dress list, and you kept well, looking on that list, and you hadn't made it until when? Okay. Remember, that dress list was cut by 50 kids. When Era was coaching, he could dress all the seniors because he made that commitment to all the seniors you would dress for your final home game. Right. Now, Devine can't do that because the NCAA did not allow it. So, and I look at that dress list thinking, maybe they'll change their mind. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it took... Uh, it took the captain of the Notre Dame football team to go into Coach Yanto, our defensive coach, who I was part of their their culture, and went in and said, we should have Rudy dressed because some of the guys that we dress will not, won't play anyhow. They already have dressed, so let Rudy dress because he's a veteran and he really worked hard and not that the other kids didn't, but they just thought uh, – I was the guy that they wanted to dress. Mm -hmm. They respected work, the work ethic. Not that the other kids didn't have it, which they did. But, you know, it's that relationship you had. So, anyhow, they went into Coach Chanto. He goes to Coach Devine. And that's when they were going to surprise me that they were going to dress me for the game. Well, in the meantime, I kind of didn't want to go to practice. I mean, I, I was kind of like, okay. I had a little pity party in the mo a pity <laughs> moment. You You're know? allowed. Yeah, and that's where I saw the janitor, who didn't give the speech the way you saw it in the movie, but gave a better speech in reality with, with blue-collar words, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. Uh, Rudy, yeah. you're on the field, and you crush it on 
your last play, you actually sack the Georgia Tech quarterback. Oh, my God, that's incredible. And that's this moment where everybody's hearts fill up. Well, it's not even about the tackle. Right. Right. It's not even about that. It's about how many people want that moment, one moment in time. Just give me one moment to step on that field. One moment to be at bat at Yankee Stadium. You know, that type of feeling. That's what that feeling. But most people quit for that moment because they quit working. They don't think it's going to happen. I kept going to practice like it all was going to happen. I kept preparing myself like I am going to play. And when that moment happened, I was ready only because of preparation. And previous rejections. Well, the rejection is what built that attitude. Yeah, yeah. Getting up, you know how life hits you right in the square in the jaw, right in the mouth. Well, you get back up and go keep moving. You have to, because uh, life is not fair. Well, your experience is such a life lesson, Rudy. Okay, because somebody, you, on the surface, did not appear to have natural born talent, whether it was athletic or artistic or musical, whatever talent. They can still make their dream come true. But let's talk about those who on the surface have the gifts and the potential, but they waste it because they lack the persistence gene. Do people give up too early in their pursuits? Oh, yes, and only because they're not developing that mindset. It's it's all about that. You have to still be a Rudy. you got to dig. you got to work. I get back up. I say a Rudy. Uh, when people, the name Rudy means uh, persevere, right? Uh, yes. means a lot more to people uh, than just Rudy. Rudy means something to them. And, and I see that all the time uh, with people. I was at the Notre Dame USC game. This lady shows up with a Rudy shirt from Texas. Well, I said, well, I made this up just so you could see I'm a lawyer. I said, oh, that's awesome. She said, I went to law school because of your movie. I said, wow. And then you meet the late Kobe Bryant, uh, and the movie launched him into the NBA because he identified with the hard work ethic and getting better uh, with the skill and talent he had. If I applied myself like Rudy did, where would I be like 20 years from? And that's what the coaches were saying right. on that football field. If you guys worked as hard as Rudy, look where we would be, you know? Okay, that is, that's the crux. I want everybody who's listening right now to absorb that. Uh, Rudy, Notre Dame altered your life path. To me, the ultimate symbol, in many ways, from the movie at least, was that helmet, that gold helmet. And yet... A couple of years ago, I'm in Houston covering the Super Bowl for Fox Business, oh, yeah, right. and we had a sports memorabilia auctioneer on, and he brings a bunch of items, and there's your helmet. Can I just right. ask, why, why why'd you auction why? that off? Because it was for charity, and I didn't have anything to give him for charity but a helmet. Uh, I said, well, if it's for charity, I'll give you on the helmet I wore. I mean, that's that has to mean something. If it helps people, let's do it. It's just sitting in my house. You know? <laughs> How much did it go for? Do you remember? $241,000. Whoa! Who bought it? Did you ever find out? Yeah, the guy who bought it used the movie every Thursday night with his team. 
they were world travel. They were having company issues, and the movie brought them to a billion dollar company. Oh, the Rudy effect. <laughs> well, it, it's it's about attitude. It's about believing, right? We got to work as a team, and and no matter what obstacles out, you can't see that. You got to attack them as they come. Don't look for them; they're already there. They may not show up. You, you understand? And so they they uh, that's the guy who bought it. Tell me what you're doing these days. Speaking, I do a lot of speaking. To Motivational. Companies. Uh, when people say motivational, I can't, I'm not a motivational speaker. I, I'm more like, um, I hope I inspire you. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, I can't yeah. motivate you. Only you can motivate yourself. But if I can inspire you to motivate yourself, that's the key. you know. And that's what the movie Rocky did for me and inspired me to go after this message of this journey I went through to do this movie. And I went out to Hollywood, um, pitching the movie, pitching the story for 10 years. And finally, uh, common man, common people helped me get it done. And and that tells me a lot about you never know who knows to get to where you need to go. But you can't give up on something that you, that you believe in and that you feel. No different. I think it was harder making a movie than going to know for <laughs> That's Hollywood. Oh, Rudy, yeah. thank you so much for telling oh. your story and giving us the inside background and all of the details. I can't wait for the director's cut. OMG, oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, you'll love it. And there's a lot of commentary with David and Angelo. So listen to them. Uh, I think it's the featurettes on it. Director, writer. I'm very excited about it because 30 years, they're going to come back out with Rudy. I love it. Oh, me too. Rudy Rudiger. If you haven't seen the movie, you guys better go see it. Grab it. It's everywhere. I mean, come on, cable. It's on streaming. Just sit down, watch it. I showed it to my children. I said, if this kid could do it, you can conquer anything, okay? Never say die. Much appreciated. Oh, you too. I, you know, uh, one, can I give you one last story? Please. Okay. There was a young man that came up to me in a wheelchair at a speech in Pittsburgh. He's a, a several palsy kid, and his mother says he had a dream to go to Notre Dame and just go to the 50-yard line where Rudy played. He can't talk. He can't walk, but he's in his wheelchair. And I said, well, what happened? He said, Rudy, he's the only human being that ever crawled to the 50-yard line. Bloody knees and all. I said, are you kidding me? I said, yeah, they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him go on the field in his wheelchair. So he just jumped out and crawled to the 50-yard line. That's what I'm saying. He did not allow anybody to steal his dream. What a great story that was. Yeah, you know, now I'm getting emotional. Oh, that's a perfect way to end it. Thank you, Rudy. God bless. Thank you so much. Appreciate taking me. Talk to you soon. I have no words left, you guys. You know what you just heard. You understand and absorb exactly that story. Tell everyone they need to listen to this episode of Everyone Talks to Liz because who knows the mountains that all of you can climb. 
I'll see you next week. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 